2: I do believe it's the top trade in the history of the NFL.
3: Ron Wolf calls me and said, we're bringing you in here to lead this football team for as long as I'm gonna be here. And that vote of confidence resonated with me.
2: Today's special guest was the rarest of athletes who earned the ultimate accolade. He was a generational talent for the benefit of our younger viewers, I'd say that he was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick was even born. And by that, I mean he was always looking like he was having the time of his life on the field, unless, of course, you were on the other side. Then it wasn't so much fun. He was also fun to watch. It's my pleasure to welcome a Super Bowl champion, a first ballot Hall of Famer, a three-time MVP. Brad Favre, welcome to Game Time, my man.
3: Thanks for having me. It's been a while.
2: Yeah, it has been a while. A little pop-up quiz to start this interview with you. September 20th, 1992, where were you?
3: Playing against you.
2: Yeah, you were. You know, Domikowski gets hurt in that game, and then all of a sudden you come in. And I actually watched the tape of that game last night before this interview, Brett. You and I weren't very good in that game. You know that.
3: Uh, Look, I had, I don't know how many fumbles and and dropped interceptions. the, 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 the best I played was the last drive.
2: Yeah, and you were awesome in that last drive. And, of course, you led the Packers to a 24-23 victory over by Cincinnati Bengals. My career started spiraling one way, yours started spiraling the other. You make the next start against the Pittsburgh Steelers and you never look back. To me, the most amazing thing you've ever accomplished is the fact you never missed a game due to injury. How is that even possible?
3: you know i i never really thought about it while i was in in the moment and and playing i just thought what's the big deal but as i i've gotten removed from the game uh you know for for a pretty good while and i think i played my best after injuries uh for whatever reason or in the in the, the toughest of circumstances maybe it made me focused more um i i don't know but the more I had success playing with injuries, the more I wanted to play with injuries, if that makes sense.
2: I did compare you to Patrick Mahomes because there was a flair that you brought to the field. There's no question about that. I, I got a chance to see that flair a number of times playing against you. Uh, but I think that is for today's NFL fan to compare the two of you. And when you watch him play, do you see similarities?
3: I, I, I do. I do. I think the ability to extend plays and the willingness to do that uh, certainly uh, is very comparable. And, uh, you know, I I say this when people mention the comparison, you know, not only he, but all the young quarterbacks that have come into the league are more equipped to play right away because the offenses in college are very, very similar to the offenses that are run now in the NFL but I would say that he's a lot more polished. Uh, They protect the ball so much better uh, these days than than I did.
2: It was almost like you were in a a totally different element and your personality basically came to light, fully came to light on the football field, much like Patrick Mahomes' does.
3: Everyone has a comfort zone. Some find it, find it later in life. Some may never find it. But for me, I felt most comfortable on the field. I was petrified if I had to get up in front of my class in and school and, and give a, a book report. But you put 80,000 people, whether they're for me or against me in the stands and asked me to go out and play, that's where I felt most comfortable. And, and I think it resonated with the fans, whether you did like me or not, uh, because it was genuine.
2: Our guest, Brett Favre, grew up in the very small town of Kiln, Mississippi, that's about 50 miles northeast of New Orleans. His dad, Urban, was his high school football and baseball coach, and it was football or baseball, Favre once said, of conversations with his father. That's what we did. That's who we were. And, you know, it sounds like the relationship I had with my dad, uh, Brett, they just wanted us to play. They wanted us to be out there. They wanted us to be a part of the team. And baseball and football just seemed to come natural to me, as it seems like it came natural to you when you were a young man. Why did football choose
3: you? I would say baseball was my first love in the one sport out of the two that if you said, okay, Brett, you're 17, which one do you think you'll have a better chance of playing professional i would have said baseball and i was pretty good at baseball i think i was pretty good at football at that time but there wasn't a whole lot of the body of work didn't speak for itself as far as passing and things like that i mean throwing at 80 yards was about all i could say when i left high school that that i was worthy of so um, which which leads to the scholarship offers i got one scholarship officer offer the day before the official signing day and that was southern miss it was a no-brainer. You go to the school that offers you a scholarship. Yep. I wasn't picky. I, if there would have been ten, I just wanted an offer. So I went in. Uh, I didn't get a scholarship in baseball because I, I got a full scholarship in football. But I was playing. I was going to play both, and uh, had no idea I would start as a true freshman. Every kid comes in thinking he's going to play, but I was lowest. I was. I think there was eight quarterbacks. I was lowest on the totem pole. Uh, We had two other guys that came in with me. My class one was the parade All-American quarterback of the year, a guy named Michael Jackson from Kentwood, Louisiana. And I'm thinking, man, I don't stand a chance. (laughs) A couple of guys got hurt. A couple of guys got a chance, didn't play very well. I, I slowly inched my way up the ladder and got a chance to play. I say all that because by starting as a true freshman, Me and my dad talked about it at the end of the football season, and he said, I know you want to play baseball, but this is probably too good to pass up, meaning you should go through spring practice with the football team. In other words, you devote everything you got to one um, because not too many guys get an opportunity to do what you're doing right now at such a young age, And, and it worked out. And I hated to not play baseball, at least in college, at least for one year, but it was obviously the best move.
2: Brett Favre's first NFL pass was intercepted, not surprising by the way, and it was returned for a touchdown. He would go 0-3 for on his other attempts during his rookie season with the Atlanta Falcons. Nonetheless, Packers new general manager Ron Wolf felt the third stringer was worth acquiring, even at the cost of a number one draft pick. It's been called maybe the greatest trade in Green Bay history. Actually, I do believe it's the top trade in the history of the NFL. And Brett, when you found out you were getting traded to the Packers uh, from the Falcons, how did that feel?
3: I have to admit, I was extremely excited. I I felt like I was going nowhere in Atlanta. Uh, And and I think as long as Jerry Glanville was there, I I was going nowhere. Um, I didn't help my cause any that year by preparation. I knew right away that he didn't like me. Selfishly, I just kind of went in the tank Put on about 25 pounds, did everything possible to get cut or released from football altogether. That being said, thankfully, Ron Wolf believed in me. And when, when I was traded, Ron Wolf calls me, tells me about the trade. Of course, I knew about it and said that hey, we're bringing you in here to be our eventual starter and lead this football team for as long as I'm going to be here. And that vote of confidence uh, resonated with me uh, until he was done uh, later on in my career. But I was extremely excited. I grew up kind of in a generation much like yourself where you knew every player on every team. Uh, Guys didn't change teams back then. Uh, And and you just you you kind of were, were a historian of the National Football League and and, and I was certainly one of those. So I knew a lot about the Packers. I didn't know exactly where Green Bay was. I knew it was full of tradition, full of great per- players. And the other thing I didn't know uh, was that it had been 25 years since they had been to the playoffs. I mean, as great as the Packers had been, I looked at that as a challenge, but only one way to go. And that was up. And I, I was up for the challenge.
2: You know, what's amazing to me is that people today can't even imagine that you played part of your schedule in Milwaukee when you first got the Green Bay that it you know wasn't title town as we see it today and how it's built up and how they redid the stadium uh, and really what you and Mike Holmgren and Reggie White had turned that place back into
3: well we played my first three years we played three games in Milwaukee it was an awful stadium It, it was an old baseball stadium at that and I mean old both teams were on the same sidelines, which is, you know, unbelievable. Um, but one of my maybe greatest wins, and one I, f- I probably feel most fond- fondly about is beating Atlanta to propel us into the playoffs for the first time. Um, but there's no no question that there, there's a couple of people, Ron Wolf hiring Mike Holmgren made a huge difference in the free agent probably the greatest free agent acquisition of all time which kind of (laughs) paved the way for other guys was getting reggie white once we got reggie white we knew we could compete with anyone
2: you guys win super bowl 31 against new england you lose super bowl 32 to denver you know this year patrick Mahomes and andy reid go back uh, to try to duplicate and repeat if you will How hard is it to repeat in the NFL? I only made it to one Super Bowl. We lost to Joe Montana and the 49ers. So I never got a chance to ever even go back to try to win it again, let alone actually win it and then go back and win it in back to back years.
3: Yeah, it's extremely difficult, you know, which makes Tom Brady's uh, careers. You know, I I don't even know if there's uh, proper adjectives to to speak of what he has done. And I'm sure he considers himself blessed and and extremely thankful for the opportunity because it is a special thing to to be able to participate in the Super Bowl. Our friend Marino went right away, lit it up. I, like everyone else, assumed he'd go back many, many, many times. Uh, But that wasn't the case. That just tells you how hard it is.
2: Despite his heroics, Brett Favre's marriage with the Packers did not end well. Aaron Rodgers would finally get the shot he waited three years for, and Favre was then traded to the New York Jets. That had to be like the wildest time in your life, leaving Green Bay where you had known so much success and now coming into the meat grinder that is the New York Jets.
3: Yeah, that that's an understatement um, it, I sense when I left Green Bay the day after we lost to the Giants in the championship game which would end up being my last game as a Packer. I honestly can say I wasn't surprised if you're in their position Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy at that time you figure can he duplicate that year maybe maybe not but we 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 have to make a move with our young quarterback you know his contracts coming up and we don't we, we don't Are we gonna give him a big deal and he's not even you see in the field? So the best scenario for them would be me retiring because had I chose to come back, what do you do? You know, if you're the Packers, uh, you know, me playing as well as I did certainly would make that decision tough to move in a different direction. I'm guilty of retiring early. I I admit that Yeah, both sides, I think in in retrospect would, would love to do it differently. Um, I, 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 there's no ill feelings towards Ted Thompson, who's now passed away, or Mike McCarthy. It is what it is. I retired early, and then got the itch to come back. Um, when that happened, they were steadfast that they didn't want me to come back. According to the Packers, there was two people or two teams that were interested. There could have been more. This is what they said: the Jets and the Buccaneers. And so when I left Green Bay. When I reported to training camp uh, the first day after meeting with the front office, uh, I said, we're going to fly home, me and Bus, my agent, and and my wife Deanna. We said, we're going to fly home and talk about it. But more than likely, it's going to be the Buccaneers. And mainly because John Gruden was there. It was the offense that I was familiar with. I didn't have to go in there and learn a new offense. And it was in the same conference as the Packers. And I, I wanted a shot at playing. Um, so w- when we land in Hattiesburg, we go, Deanna and I go home, bus goes his way. And within an hour, bus calls me and says, You need to turn on Sports Center. And I said, Why? He said, They traded you to the Jets.
2: Ooh, yeah.
3: And I love Mike Tannenbaum. He did everything he could to make it work. And I give him a ton of credit, and he was awesome. It was tough to go there because I knew I wanted to go to the Buccaneers. Um, and, and they they pulled a fast one on me before before I knew it. And I, I really felt like the Packers won again. And I know it's not about me against a franchise, but that's you, you can't help but think if you were in that situation how just down in the dumps you are.
2: Yeah, it's, there's no question that it, it ended ugly here in New York. And you then go on to Minnesota. I want to ask you about Minnesota real quickly. You were in that game against New Orleans, the NFC Championship game. This is one of the games that you know falls under the bounty gate situation where guys were being paid to hurt the opposing team's players, especially the quarterback by Greg Williams, their defensive coordinator. Did you feel like you were like in the line of fire where they were trying to hurt you during the game, Brett?
3: Any team, if they can get the opposing quarterback out, within the legality of of it, it's a bonus. Um, In that game, I'll be honest, I thought something was different, but I in no way, shape, or form thought that there was a a bounty to the magnitude of what ended up uh, being exposed. Um, The thing that I think about that game, first of all, all that being said, bounty, cheap shots, whatever. We had a chance to win that game, and I didn't make the play at the end, and that's what's so deflating to me. I don't even think about what they were doing. I still had a chance to win that game or give us a shot, and I didn't. And that's, that's what I think
2: about the most. Ultimately, you never get the game back. It's something that I'm sure will stick in your craw for the rest of your life. But at the end of the day, at least the NFL took care of business. Back with the great Brett Favre, who's got all sorts of things going on these days. A national radio show, product endorsements, his charitable foundations, and now a new podcast with his partner, Eric Bowling. So, you know, you guys are advertising on my radio show here in New York. So for that, I really do appreciate it. Uh, and it says you guys are going to talk about a lot of different things. How well do you know Eric, and and what do we what can we expect to hear from you guys?
3: Well, I, I, I've only known Eric for about six months, uh, which is kind of odd, but we hit it off. And I and I'll tell you, I'll try to be brief about how we met. So uh, I did a commercial about a year ago, and the the guy that owned the production company of, for the commercial was friends with Eric, and. We got to talking in some downtime and somehow some way my addiction to painkillers came up and, and the, the ordeal I went through and he said, you know, I have a really good friend who's also in, in TV and, uh, TV personality, very good, uh, well-respected guy who lost a son who was at the university of Colorado, uh, with, from, opiate overdose or addiction, something similar. Uh, and I think that he and his life mission now is to talk about that and to help others. We actually started off the, the, the interviewer or the segment throwing the baseball, believe it or not. We were out on the field at Southern Miss baseball field. He was a former professional baseball player, an athlete. So we had something in common. And we just hit it off. And, and when we were all done with with everything, he said, you know, we ought to do a podcast. <laughs> well, I, you know, I said, yeah, sounds good. And I just kind of passed it off, uh, you know, as, you know, just just idle chat. And next thing I know, we're talking to Podcast One about doing a podcast. And uh, the good thing is, Eric is, is really... Good with setting me up. And he, as you know, that, that's important. You know, he, he's good with all the, the reads and all those things. And he's, he's the, in the know in politics and all this stuff. And I am a, a, a savant when it comes to all that stuff. So we, we hit on a little bit of everything. We try to have a little fun and not take ourselves too seriously.
2: So our thanks to the great Brett Farr for joining us today and to all of you for watching. I'm Boomer and We'll see you again real soon, right here on Game Time with tennis great, James Blake.